Welcome back, Joyce Kaufman, with you. And my guest right now is one of my favorite people, Dan Stein from the Federation of American Immigration Reform, which is celebrating its 40th year. That's got to be uh, uh, pretty incredible. Not not much lasts 40 years in Washington D.C. except, of course, for politicians. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's true. I mean, we have a pretty aggressive roach population, too. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish the two, of course. You get them confused. Exactly. It is the swamp, after all. But uh, so much has been happening, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk to you in quite some time. Of course, now we're listening to all of the uh, crackling about the money that is going to be used for building a border wall. Um, we know that some of these uh, loop Loopholes are being closed, especially the asylum loopholes, and yet um, uh, very little talk about kids in cages anymore. What happened? Uh, well, of course, the Democrats move from one narrative to another, depending on the day of the week and what they think they can spin. But they are talking about indefinite detention in response to the effort by the administration to stop this brazen loophole, the so-called Flores settlement, that has so hamstrung the administration's ability to deter fraudulent asylum claims, right? Mm -hmm. This is the law that settlement that uh, required the release of minor children within a certain period of time and in order to avoid separating families, all people showing up with minors are getting released, which incentivizes this continued flow from Central America and other parts of the Northern Triangle, even other parts of the world. Right. So credit the administration, choice they really are working hard at every level, trying to stop the hemorrhaging, trying to shore up enforcement, and of course at every point they're being opposed by Democrats and by the ACLU and a well-funded uh, litigation team that uh, is funded by the Ford Foundation, uh, several other major foundations, George Soros and the and, uh, and his Atlantic, his Open Society Institute. Anyway, he's had to battle everything, uh, including getting money for the wall. The Flores settlement, though, in particular, is something that is a real raspberry seed in the administration's wisdom tooth because uh, the people who settled that case back in the Clinton administration, people like um, well, this guy his name, should I forget his name now, but anyway, he, he, Peter Shea yeah. I mean, he's been a big, one of the architects behind destroying U.S. immigration controls for decades and he's the one leading the charge to oppose any rewriting of the settlement. I mean, how can the government be hamstrung by a 20-some-year-old settlement that makes it impossible to stop this manipulation, this trafficking of minor children, sometimes masquerading as people's children at the hands of cartels and traffickers, encouraging the dangerous trek north. So the administration has new regulations that they put out this week, which would uh, change things. And, of course, it will be, you know, attacked already, California. Yeah, you got uh, one of the Obama judges, John Teeger, who's, uh, you know, he's got an injunction blocking the rule. But uh, hopefully, um, you know, the, the president can take it to the Supreme Court. Thirteen times California has sued this administration on immigration matters. I think they've sued 57 times total, but about uh, 10 percent of it's been on immigration. Yeah, I mean, one lawsuit after another. And and, and from the the standpoint of legal standing, which is this doctrine that says, you know, to bring a case or controversy, you have to show injury to the plaintiff. Well, how does California show direct injury to a minor alien who's 
brought in by a cartel operative who's never set foot in the U.S. before. Where's the legal standing that allows California to challenge, you know, the detention procedures put in place by the federal government for people showing up at our border? Mm -hmm. Historically, they would not have standing. So most of these cases will probably fail. But, you know, you got to give Trump credit. Uh, if he does get reelected, you know, he'll probably double down on some of this stuff, and the Democrats will even go more bonkers. Yeah, well, and and this is nothing new. I mean, you and I have been uh, waging this battle for an awfully long time, and been called every name under the sun, and uh, and st and remain steadfast. And we've seen a lot of people who used to agree with us that have uh, gone, gotten weak in the knees, and and allowed these uh, terms used to describe the president and his supporters like. Uh, racist and Islamophobes and all the rest of it, you know, to me, it's like water off a duck's back at this point. Uh, none of it has any meaning in the way it's been abused. And I want to protect this nation. I want to protect those children that are being used and abused in this manner. And I just don't get how liberals could continue down this path. I mean, it's not working. Well, it's a, it's a it's a corruption of the political party, Joyce, and it, it, it's at a point now where because of things like the Voting Rights Act, which has polarized the way in which we draw districts in the country, <clears throat> there's no way of drawing districts around a composite view of the country to create a balanced representative. You have either people who are conservative or people who are like ultra liberal, you know, and then you see how the Democrats concentrate in these particular small urban areas that are heavily populated. And they see their whole political future and destiny tied up with encouraging immigration, legal and illegal, no matter what. And that's why you've seen this tremendous shift as the trade agreements entered into. A lot of them were Democrats who did that, caused all the manufacturing to go offshore to China and places. The unions collapsed. Mm -hmm. And those old unions that were the bulwark of the Democratic Party that kept it moored to the you know common sense immigration positions disappeared. Yeah. Suddenly they got wedded to identity politics and decide that identity means growing the groups that are victims and therefore attaching yourself to them. And it's the politics of envy gone writ large and gone wild. Mm -hmm. So why should we be surprised if institutionally the Democrats are thinking, well, I don't really care about its impact on America as long as it gets us in power. Why should we be surprised if they take that view? Yeah. Well, I love the fact that uh, FAIR has uh, launched uh, you know, a fight uh, about wages and American workers wages this is something as you point out that the union used to represent and now um, they've they've practically uh, forgotten who they serve it's a big, they've become a political arm of the Democrat party and here we have an expanding economy we have businesses that are hiring uh, and why would we need to pour uh, labor into this market especially unskilled labor when we have plenty of people in this country even though we have a low unemployment rate there people could use a raise yeah, well we there is no really unionized labor force any longer outside of government yeah public service honestly <laughs> yeah public service so i mean for wages to rise immigration must fall that's in our campaign and then you know for the president it's important as he goes into this re-election campaign to understand a lot of what brought him into the white house in 2016 was was marrying the immigration component about labor fairness to stop the employers from firing american workers and replacing them with you know non-immigrant foreign workers or scabs or what have you. I mean, mm -hmm. people who have no right to be in the country in some cases as well. 
And, and, you know, you start to see wages rise when you tighten up the labor market. And as Louis Jordan said, the old R&B guy, you know, let's let the good times roll. Mm. It would be a mistake for the president to capitulate to Wall Street and the big ag community and turn on the spigot, uh, you know, in exchange for improved enforcement. But every time anybody in the government starts talking about tighten up the borders, the agricultural industry goes nuts, goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And somehow we're all supposed to keep paying for this labor subsidy for agriculture. They want to use the illegal workers who, you know, work for a while in the fields and then drift off into the cities, you know, waiting in line for the next amnesty while they use public services. This None of this is uh, in the national interest. No, I agree. And certainly when you um, when you're in an election season, as we are right now, um, um, the emotional strings are going to get pulled by the Democrat, which leads me to believe that this president has to get very strong on issues of American wages, on issues of national security. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers of uh, African immigrants that show up at the border who are, if, uh, as far as I can tell, um, getting all the way over to our southern border means they have to pass through a number of other countries. Um, obviously, any asylum seeker could have stayed in in some other country and yet nobody wants to talk about this well i mean elizabeth warren and joe biden have uh, in a very savvy way figured out what states they need to pull that trump won in 16 and so they're promoting this this form of economic nationalism you hear mm-hmm. that's more akin to what we used to hear democrats talking about in the early 90s and earlier so they're trying to revert back to that, but their vulnerability, Achilles' heel, is that they don't have a coherent immigration plan, and including this whole question of asylum reform and whether or not we have a right to look at a person's behavior before they got here to decide if they actually have a good faith claim of persecution. Mm-hmm. If you've traveled through four or five safe countries, never made a claim of asylum until you actually got to the U.S. border, then in, in all you know, truth, you're obviously not a real asylum seeker. You're just somebody who's trying to get around the immigration line. Mm-hmm. And people should, we should be able to reject people out of hand if they didn't make an asylum claim at the first opportunity. And that's, again, what the president's been trying to do in certain cases. And, you know, he's, he means his credit, Joyce, he's trying every single tool yep. in the toolbox, mm-hmm. being persistent and not giving up. Just like you say, you know, we all know that social media has given the left a tool for bullying online. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're like lemmings. They fly at you all at once in, in kind of a herd mentality to try to intimidate and spook people into, you know, and for people who are not acclimated like you and me to being mm-hmm. in the public spotlight and being at the tip of the spear mm. they people can get freaked out very quickly very easily you'd be yeah. surprised how 20 people on twitter can put the fear of god in you know a multinational corporation oh yeah absolutely we've seen it over and over again and and you know then then we have the very weak need country club as they call them republicans who are all about cheap labor you know and they, and that just must frustrate the president even more because here we uh, finally have a, a thriving economy for the most part and the republicans can't get behind it <laughs> well it must give you a certain sense of satisfaction though to watch all these rhinos teeth watering having to watch president trump in office for four years you know when they <laughs> know that they didn't get to run their boy that's right hey listen i remember sitting in your office during the election in 2016 and and uh, me reassuring you i said i know this issue i know america he's going to win and and uh, you know I, I can tell you he's going to win again because the democrats are running lunatic uh, campaigns 
you know, these, these are not, first and foremost, everybody who's in the top tier is old and white. I thought that was the antithesis of what they were looking for. Puerto Ricans in the state of Florida are turning into Republicans more frequently than not. <laughs> I think they've well, made you know, some mistakes. I mean, Look, I'm going to tell you the truth because, you know, I'm not just that kind of guy, but uh, it was basically you and Ann Coulter were the only two people who basically said, yeah, Trump's going to win. Uh-huh. And everyone else said, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I, and, and I can tell you he's going to win again. And not because, and, and, and believe me, I don't understand why he wants this job <laughs> because it has been uh, difficult. Um, but I think he just enjoys getting under the media and the Democrats' thin skin, you know, <laughs> uh, as do well, I. I him lots of money. Yeah. He said, obviously, oh, yeah. this is setbacks because of it. I mean, what do you think? He didn't have to do this. No. You no. think there'd be a little more gratitude from some people? I mean, I hope people remember that, you know, this is not a guy who, you know, who, who needed the job. Right. It's not like a professional politician like Biden who's been sitting collecting a government paycheck for 55 years. Yeah. And if he wanted to buy a house in Martha's Vineyard, he wouldn't need to become president first either. So people it's really. Funny about yeah. <laughs> people. <laughs> It's a different topic. There's plenty there to talk about. Yeah, there is. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate you coming on today. And uh, I look forward to Hold Their Feet to the Fire coming up in just a couple of weeks, really. Yeah, going to be dandy event, bigger than ever. And we can't do it without you, Joyce, and all your great listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Dan. See you soon.